Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Awaken Life Church. God is doing something special and doing something new. Amen. Good morning. Thank you. How many of you uh, enjoyed Angelo last week? That was so awesome. What a surprise that was. Uh, I didn't really know Angelo. Um, actually, Levi connected us with him. Um, he's a, Levi's known him for years and years. And um, he goes, you need to have Angelo come. He's going to be in Phoenix. And I said, all right. And I talked to uh, Tia, who's at BSSM. And I was like, have you heard of this guy, Angelo Jean-Pierre? And she's like, oh, my word. She's like, yes, you need to have him at Awaken Life Church. He is so amazing. He's my activations pastor. And he's actually the activations pastor overall of Bethel. And um, I don't know how he's been on staff at Bethel for 10 years. I've, I've never heard of him. Uh, what an amazing man. And we had fun just uh, spending some time with him afterwards. And we're definitely going to have him back. Okay, so uh, somebody got me a funny coffee mug for Christmas. And so that sent me on a journey of finding other funny coffee mugs. So I've got a few of them that I want to show this morning. So how many are ready to just laugh a little bit? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Get them warmed up. Ha, ha, ha. Sometimes it takes a minute to warm it up. He, 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 he. All right, go ahead and show the first one. I survived another meeting that should have been an email. How many relate to that one? So I thought it would be funny to actually take that coffee cup into those meetings. <laughs> just not say anything, but just kind of like, you know, have it face out. Like, you know. <laughs> uh, okay, this next one, this is, this is just, it's, it's wrong, but it made me laugh. I'm sorry I slapped you, but you didn't seem like you had ever stopped talking and I panicked. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just panicked. <laughs> Okay, uh, okay, let's go to the next one. I would agree with you, but then we would both be wrong. Do you need that one? <laughs> I like that one. Okay, and I have one more. Uh, this, is, uh, this is actually the one that someone got me for, for Christmas, so go to the last one. Pastor warning, anything you say or do could be used in a sermon. <laughs> That's mostly for my kids. They're the ones that get in get into my sermons the most. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's so true. Well, let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus, God. We just thank you for just your goodness. Um, just thank you for the uh, just your presence uh, this morning in this place. I just feel like something. It's a new spirit. It's a new like watering of the Holy Spirit. I just feel that changing of the guard. Um, I just feel this new just life coming into us this year. God, we just pray that you give us the grace to just let go of, of what lies behind and, and reach forward to what lies ahead and to focus on what you have for us and not to be focused on the past, but be embracing the new season that you have for each one of us. We just pray for an anointing and just the grace this morning to just receive all that you have for us and just put your hand on your heart this morning. We just like to do this sometimes. Yeah, just say, Holy Spirit. Get me. Amen. That's a good prayer. You can just start the day with that one every day. Amen. 
Amen. So I have an encouraging word for you today. I want to start with Philippians 1.6. It says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. In the Amplified, it says it like this, I am confident, I am convinced and confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue to perfect it and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. What God has started in your life, he will complete. What God has started in your life, he will complete. There's been almost like this thing in the atmosphere that's like, it's over. We're done, like, and it's, and it's like this almost feeling of defeat. But God is saying, like, what I've started in your life, I'm going to actually complete it. What he started, he's going to bring to completion. He didn't bring you this far to leave you where you're at. It's not over. <laughs> he didn't bring you this far to leave you where you're at. He's got dreams and plans and things that he's going to do and show up in your life He's going to bring it to a completion. He didn't bring you this far to leave you where you're at. So as Christians, we can live with great confidence, but our confidence is not in ourselves. It's not in our government. It's not in the people around us. Our confidence is in God and what he's speaking over us. He says, what I've started in you, I'm actually going to bring it to completion. Do you know that the faith that you have that you chose to put in Christ didn't even originate with you? Hebrews 12 says, says this, Hebrews 12. It says that God is the author and the perfecter of your faith. So the faith that you have that you chose to put in Christ started with God. Because he's the author of your faith and he's the perfecter of your faith. And what he started in you, he's going to bring to completion. So you can put your confidence in that. That he's going to complete what he started. That he may, means what he says. So our faith is not in our ability. Our faith is not in what we can do, our faith is in his ability to perform what he said he would do. So today I want to talk to you about some things that I believe God is highlighting for this year. And it's so encouraging to hear Dakota, uh, what she said in, in the opening and what Angela was sharing about, you know, the her encounter on January 1st. That's interesting because my encounter on January 1st was 2017 of the Joy encounter, which would be exactly five years before your encounter. <laughs> And, um, yeah, and it's so in line with what I feel like. It's just so encouraging because it's in line with what I feel like God is, is speaking over us today and over, the, uh, over us for this year. So today we're going to talk about what I feel like God is highlighting for this year. So I want to start in Romans chapter 8. And this is probably my favorite chapter in the whole Bible is Romans 8 just because God uh, met me so powerfully in this chapter. And I've just encountered him so much through this chapter Probably a close second would be Psalm 23 for me. I want to start in verse 1. It says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. 
Now, if you want to live under the law, just make sure you're living under the right law. Because you're no longer under the spirit, or you're no longer under the law of sin. You are now under the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ. Under this law, Jesus paid it all for you. Under the law of sin, which is also known as the law of Moses, it was dependent on what you could do, your ability. Under the law of Jesus Christ, or the spirit of life in Jesus Christ, we're completely dependent on Jesus and what he did. Under the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ, you're completely washed. You're completely washed clean from sin. Jesus paid the price for sin. How many know sin's been taken care of? Sin was dealt with, and under the spirit of the law of Jesus Christ, you're washed clean. You're depending, depending on what he's done. You're a child of the Most High God. This is the law that you're under. You're no longer under the law of sin. Yeah, Jesus fulfilled the law on your behalf. How many know that that's true? Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. Why did he come to fulfill the law? Because we were incapable of fulfilling it. He's the only one that could fulfill the law. So he came and he performed the law perfectly so that in him you're completely clean. You're completely washed. In God's eyes, he sees you as perfectly performing the law and completely righteous in Christ. The law of sin, it's... It's also known as the law of Moses, and this law shows us that we're incapable of measuring up to God's holy standard, that we need a Savior. The law was meant to bring us to the end of ourselves and to Jesus. The law was meant to bring us right to the end of like, wow, I cannot do this. I need a Savior. This is the same thing that uh, everybody who is not saved, they are actually under the law of sin. They're under the law of sin, and the law of sin brings us to a place where we're like, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I don't measure up to God's holy standard. I need help. I need a savior. So the law shows us that we're incapable of measuring up to God's holy standard. And it brings us to the end of ourselves. So let's go back to verse 1. It says, Therefore there is now no condemnation how many have noticed they just changed the NASB? They just changed the whole, they released a brand new NASB. And so now the one that I've been reading for years, it's known as NASB 1995. So this is what they added in the new NASB. They said, therefore, there is now no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's all they added was the at all. <laughs> There's no condemnation at all. For those who are in Christ Jesus. So I believe this year God wants to destroy every last ounce of shame, condemnation, and guilt inside of you. 
God wants to bring you into a new level of just confidence in him and sonship. And he wants to destroy every shame. You know, there's not one ounce of shame or condemnation or guilt that will serve you well in any way. There's not just a little bit of shame that'd be like, well, shame keeps me going to to church. I've actually heard stuff like that. Well, just a little bit of guilt, you know, it keeps me on my... No, there's like nothing in any of that that God wants in your life that is good for you. I want to talk to you about conviction versus shame. You know, I realized something uh, this Christmas season. Like shame is that voice that's telling you it's never, you're never enough. You're never enough. You've never done enough. And there was like a moment I had on Christmas Eve. And it was just like this moment of like, and maybe I'm the only one or maybe you've experienced this. But it was this moment of like, you know, I'd already taken care of all the presents and everything. But it was like, have I done enough? Wait, I haven't done enough. Maybe I need to go out and... And get more. It's like, I don't want to feel like a failure on Christmas. Have I done enough? You know? <laughs> and I realized, I was like, oh, that's the voice of shame. It's like, you've never done enough. No, even though you planned and you, you already got everything, it's like the voice of shame's like, no, you still haven't done enough. So I did a happy medium and I just went and got some more stocking stuffers, but that's it. That's it. Just some stocking stuffers. But shame is that voice that's telling you you've never done enough. Conviction says this, I've done something wrong. Shame says I am something wrong. It's like you're always, there's always something that you don't feel right about when you're experiencing shame. Conviction is actually good. Conviction leads us to a higher standard because we're children of the king. Do you know there's no scripture in the New Testament or anywhere in the Bible that says that the Holy Spirit convicts a believer of sin. There's one scripture that says the Holy Spirit convicts an unbeliever of sin. But what the New Testament actually says is the Holy Spirit convicts a believer of righteousness. So this is the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's when we fall short as he's like, that's, that's not even who you are. You're acting outside of your identity right now. This is who you are. He's always bringing us back to, this is who God says you is, who you is, who you are. (laughs) This is who you is. This is who God says you are. And he's always pointing us back to identity. Conviction leads us to a higher standard. Conviction says you're amazing and you're acting below your true identity. When I started realizing this years ago of how the Holy Spirit speaks to us and how the voice of of shame speaks to us, it changed the way I parented. When my children would have behavioral issues, I'd pull them aside and I'd be like, hey, you know what? This thing that you just did, I'd immediately detach it from their identity. This thing that you just did, that's not even you. And I would start to tell them all the things that they've done recently that were good. Remember last week that when you helped your brother and you did that, that's who you are. That's who you are. This thing, this is not even who you are. And you immediately attach something that is really who they are to their identity and remind them who they are. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. It's like, no, this thing right here, that that moment that happened with you where you kind of lost your cool, that's not who you are. This is who you are. And he'll start reminding you of the things that you've done in your identity. This is who you are. Brings us up. This is the voice of conviction of the Holy Spirit. 
He convicts us of righteousness. He's saying, you are righteous. You're acting outside of your identity right now. He calls us back to our identity. Shame says, you got angry because you're an angry person. Shame says, you looked at something that shouldn't have because you're a pervert. Shame says, you, you have a bad desire because you are bad. This is the voice of shame. The enemy will always try to pin your behavior to your identity. It's happening like rampant fire in our culture. It's like you have that desire because that's who you are. You are that. That's why you have that desire. You want to do this because that's who you are. You did that bad thing because you're bad. Well, the Holy Spirit will always talk to you about your behavior and just say, that's not who you are. Fix your eyes on Jesus because you're in him. And as Christ is in this world, so are you. Do you know that scripture? That's 1 John 4, 17. 1 John 4, 17 actually says this. It says, you can have confidence in the day of judgment. Do you know that? You can look forward to the day of judgment. It says, you can have confidence on the day of judgment, because as Christ is in this world, so also are you. We're not depending on our righteousness. On the day of judgment, I'm going to be judged according to the righteousness of Christ. So you can have confidence, because as Christ is, so also are we in this world. So God wants to completely remove guilt, shame, and condemnation in your life this year. Every little bit. Every little bit of it, he just wants out of your life. Yeah, God wants to kick shame out of your life. And he wants you to have confidence in him and in his goodness. This is a verse that last week um, somebody spoke over. I think they were speaking over me. But I think it's for our church right now. I feel like this is like a rhema scripture for our church. It's Isaiah 61.7. It says, instead of shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. That's for you today. God wants to remove your shame and he wants to give you a double portion. God wants to give you a double portion of his goodness this year. God wants to give you a double portion of his grace this year. God wants to give you a double portion of his love this year. God wants to give you a double portion of himself this year. God's just pouring himself out. I just feel that, that word that Dakota say it, said it and then Angela echoed it. But God is just pouring something out this year new. He's restoring like lost hopes this year. And he wants to just pour out. You may have felt like you're in a dry season where you're like feeling like the dry bones and God's like saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit on you this year. Yeah, I believe people that feel like you've gotten off track, you're going to find your path again this year. You'll be like, wow, there it is. I feel like I lost it, but here it is.
Last week, um, Angelo, when he was here, he touched on the story of David and Ziklag. And that story has just been in my heart all week, and it's been in my heart for our, our church. And so if you don't remember the story, David and his men, he's got 600 men that are with him at this point. And they're out and they're doing battle and they're coming home back to Ziklag. And Ziklag is interesting because it's a Philistine city that was actually given to David. This is after Goliath. This is just like David is just decimating the Philistines. And, and now, but the Philistines know that David's actually running from Saul. And I think they're actually trying to just side with him and just like make peace with him. They're like, okay, just take the city. Just don't hurt us. <laughs> like, I think they were terrified of David and they were like, hey, just, okay, maybe we can take sides with him right now. He's like running from, from Saul. So David and his men are going back into Ziklag. And you can just imagine the scene as they're getting closer to the city, they just see smoke just rising from the city. And as they go into the city, they can see the city's been burned. Their wives have been taken. Their children have been taken. Their livestock has been taken. Everything that has value had been taken. And it said the men begin to weep. They begin to mourn. They begin to weep. And they weep so much that it says they wept until they had no more strength to weep. I, be, I believe some of us have been in this mourning season where we've been like, I, I feel like I've mourned so much I don't have any more strength to even mourn. I'm just numb. And things get worse for David because they, they start to say, hey, let's stone David. Somehow this is all his fault. Let's stone David. And so the Bible says David strengthened himself in the Lord. And he inquires of the Lord and he says, Lord, should we pursue the Amalekites? That was the Amalekites that came in and took all the, all the stuff. And he says, Lord, should we pursue the Amalekites? And the Lord says, pursue. Pursue and you will recover all. You will recover all. And I want to read a couple verses in 1 Samuel 30. This is at the end of this story. It says, So David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and rescued his two wives, but nothing of theirs was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken for themselves. David brought it all back. Do you realize how much of a miracle this is? Not one thing was left unaccounted for. There's a reason that this story plays out like this. Not one thing was unaccounted for. David recovered all. And the Lord is speaking over you right now and he's saying, whatever you feel like you've lost in the past couple years or in your life, you will recover all. There's not one thing that's unaccounted for. There's not one thing that, that's been stolen from the enemy that God hasn't seen and that God's not taken account of. And he's like, I'm going to recover all in your life. Every little thing. David recovered all. I declare that this is a year where you will recover all. There's, there's something on family this year where God is mending broken family relationships this year. You will recover all. 
And I said it a second ago, but I feel like some of us have been in this mourning season like David's men. They were just mourning. We've been mourning over what it seems like the enemy has stolen, but God is going to restore everything that the enemy has stolen. God wants to restore your peace. God wants to restore your joy. God wants to restore life back into you this year. Like we're going to come to the, back to that honeymoon place with the Lord and be like, ah, oh, I feel like my life returning back, back to me. God's bringing you out of the morning season and you are going to recover all. Whatever the enemy has stolen, he cannot hold on to it. I think that's exactly what Dakota said. It's like in my notes, word for word. Whatever the enemy has stolen, he cannot hold on to it. It's not his. God's not forgotten. He hasn't lost track of what the enemy has stolen. He's accounted for every single thing and everything will be returned. Ha ha. <laughs> he must return what he's stolen and instead of shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. So one more thing I want to talk about. Ancient seeds are going to germinate this year. Ancient seeds are going to germinate this year. We were talking about this on our uh, Bethel Leadership Network call with Levi this week. And Levi was sharing this story with us. They found these 2,000-year-old seeds, and they planted them, and they began to germinate. Let me just read a piece of this article. The first successful planting of an unearthed seed was in 2005. The seeds were found in the remains of the Masada, an old building located in Israel. An initial plant was germinated and grown from the ancient date seeds. It was named Methuselah. It thrived, eventually producing offsets and having its pollen taken to fertilize modern female date palms. Several years later, six more seeds were germinated, which resulted in five healthy plants. Each seed hailed from the time of the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, from the time the Dead Sea Scrolls were under creation. So these seeds were over 2,000 years old. 2,000-year-old seeds germinating. I just declared to you God is resurrecting something inside of you. He's germinating these ancient seeds inside of you that you maybe even have forgotten about. He's going to begin to germinate these seeds. They're not dead, they're just dormant. There's still life in them. It's like the, the girl that was dead that Jesus came and, and saw. Everybody was like, she's dead. And he's like, no, she's just sleeping. They're not dead, they're just sleeping. So this was really fun. I did some studying on uh, germination this week. So amazing to see how God is in all this stuff. So here, here are some of the conditions that need to happen for germination to begin. This is so fun. There's three things that need to happen for germination. Three things. 
Here's the three things. Temperature, moisture, and light. Each seed needs a unique combination of temperature, moisture, and light for germination. So what is temperature? Temperature is warmth. How many remember God appears to Abraham as fire? In Deuteronomy, God is identified as a consuming fire. There's, there's the temperature. It represents God. Second thing is moisture. Water. It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When the Bible talks about rivers of living water flowing out of you, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's water. Temperature, God, moisture, the Holy Spirit, and light. Who's the light? Jesus. These are the three things required for germination. God, Holy Spirit, and Jesus. It's interesting. It says, I was reading this article. It says, each seed needs a unique combination of those three things. <laughs> and each seed's different. But every seed needs some kind of combination of those three things. Seeds are going to germinate this year inside of you. Do you know what a seed needs after germination? Do you know that, do you know that a seed can germinate without soil? But do you know what it needs after germination? Soil. Has to have soil. So germination can happen without soil, but real growth can't happen without soil. What does the soil represent? Soil represents the body of Christ, us. So I feel like the Lord is saying, plant yourself this year. Like seeds are going to germinate, and you need to plant yourself like never before into the body of Christ. You can, something can germinate inside of you without soil, but it can't grow without soil. So when you plant yourself in the soil, the germination that God's done begins to grow. Yeah, get planted like never before. Plant yourself around believers. Get in a revival group. They're coming soon. We're getting ready to start them again. Yeah. Would you stand to your feet this morning? There's something else I want to do before we close. Yeah, just close your eyes. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I just feel the water of the Holy Spirit is just going to wash over you this morning. God is awakening some things right now inside your heart. Maybe some things you've even forgot about. Yeah, I want you to just ask the Lord right now, God, what are you restoring? What are you germinating? What are you returning to me this year? What are you resurrecting inside of me this year? Just listen for a moment.
I declare to you that the enemy can't keep what's been stolen. He can't hold on to it. Because you're a child of the king. Everything's been accounted for. And you will see a returning of all. You will recover all. All, the enemy cannot hold on to what's been stolen. This is a year where God is returning what's been stolen from you. I just want to read the scripture over you again. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken. Nothing of theirs was missing. Whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken, David brought it all back. I want you to ask the Lord one more question. Just continue to just keep your eyes closed for a minute. Whatever the Lord spoke to you about what's returning or what's restoring, I feel like faith looks like something. Like when we just, even when God speaks a word to us and he says, I'm going to do this. Sometimes faith looks like saying, yes, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step in that direction. I'm going to just believe that you just said what you're going to do, that you're going to do it, and I'm going to take a step in that direction. So I want you to ask the Lord one more question. Lord, what does it look for me to take a step of faith in that direction? And just listen for a moment. Let me just pray over you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're returning everything that's been taken. Thank you that our confidence is not in us. It's not in our ability. It's not in what we've done or performed, but it's completely in Jesus and in the finished work of the cross. We depend, Jesus, on you and on your finished work. We embrace relationship with you, Jesus, like never before this year. Lord, I just declare that you're removing shame. You're removing condemnation. You're removing everything that would lie to us and tell us that you're distant. That would tell us that you're disappointed with us. That would tell us that we're not enough. We haven't done enough. And that you're drawing us closer like never before to your presence, to your goodness, to your love to your mercy, to your kindness, that we would learn to just depend on it. Like, no, I, I know that this week was tough, but I'm, I'm depending on the righteousness of Christ. I'm depending on Jesus and what he did. I'm, I'm, I know that he's, he's good, he's kind. His mercy is just overwhelming. So, Father, I just thank you. This is a new year. I just feel just something new in the atmosphere. I can't even articulate it, but it's just so present this morning. It's just God is doing something new. This is a year. I just, I have so much hope for this year. Yeah. 
So we just thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Get your hopes up for this year. Start going after those things. Start asking the Lord, God, what are the, what are the seeds that are germinating inside my heart? Amen.